What you are about to hear is an 11 minute and 21 second excerpt from a book on tape. This is Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, published in 1969. This little excerpt is narrated by Jose Ferrar, uh, who has a glorious voice, a just astounding, beautiful voice. And that, uh, that certainly adds to the charm of this little clip. And what you'll hear is a short set of segments uh, where Kurt Vonnegut plays with the ideas of time travel. Uh, the excerpts are a little bit snipped apart and then snipped back together, which I think is fine, I guess, given that the entire story is snipped apart and snipped back together with uh, Billy Pilgrim's time slips. And I very much wanted to include this because both Rich and I talked about this book. Now, Rich and I are pretty much the same age, and he talked about reading this book as a teenager. And let me tell you, every teenage boy in America in the 1970s read this book. That is a truism. So here are Kurt Vonnegut's words and Jose Ferrar's fabulous voice. Please enjoy. And Billy zoomed back in time to his infancy. He was a baby who had just been bathed by his mother. Now his mother wrapped him in a towel, carried him into a rosy room that was filled with sunshine. She unwrapped him, laid him on the tickling towel, powdered him between his legs, joked with him, patted his little jelly belly. Her palm on his little jelly belly made potching sounds. Billy gurgled and cooed. And then Billy was aboard a flying saucer, which was bound for Tralfamador. Where am I, said Billy Pilgrim. Trapped in another blob of amber, Mr. Pilgrim. We are where we have to be just now. Three hundred million miles from Earth. Bound for a time warp which will get us to Tralfamador in hours rather than centuries. How? How did I get here? It would take another Earthling to explain it to you. Earthlings are the great explainers, explaining why this event is structured as it is telling how other events may be achieved or avoided. I am a Tralfamadorian, seeing all time as you might see a stretch of rocky mountains. All time is all time. It does not change. It does not lend itself to warnings or explanations. It simply is. Take it moment by moment, and you will find that we are all, as I've said before, bugs in amber. You sound to me as though you don't believe in free will, said Billy Pilgrim. If I hadn't spent so much time studying earthlings, said the Tralfamadorian, I wouldn't have any idea what was meant by free will. I've visited 31 inhabited planets in the universe, and I have studied reports on 100 more. Only on Earth is there any talk of free will. 
Billy asked for something to read on the trip to Tralfamador. His captors had only one actual book in English, which would be placed in a Tralfamadorian museum. It was Valley of the Dolls by Jacqueline Suzanne. Billy read it, thought it was pretty good in spots. The people in it certainly had their ups and downs, ups and downs. And Billy traveled in time to the zoo on Tralfamador. He was 44 years old, on display under a geodesic dome. He was reclining on the lounge chair, which had been his cradle during his trip through space. He was naked. The Tralfamadorians were interested in his body, all of it. There were thousands of them outside, holding up their little hands so that their eyes could see him. Billy had been on Tralfamador for six earthling months now. He was used to the crowd. Escape was out of the question. The atmosphere outside the dome was cyanide, and Earth was 446, 120 million, million miles away. Billy was displayed there in the zoo in a simulated earthling habitat. Most of the furnishings had been stolen from the Sears and Roebuck warehouse in Iowa City, Iowa. There was a color television set and a couch that could be converted into a bed. There were end tables with lamps and ashtrays on them by the couch. There was a home bar and two stools. There was a little pool table. There was wall-to-wall -wall carpeting in federal gold, except in the kitchen and bathroom areas and over the iron manhole cover in the center of the floor. There were magazines arranged in a fan on the coffee table in front of the couch. There was a stereophonic phonograph. The phonograph worked. The television didn't. There was a picture of one cowboy killing another one pasted to the television tube. So it goes. He showered after his exercises and trimmed his toenails. He shaved and sprayed deodorant under his arms, while a zoo guide on a raised platform outside explained what Billy was doing and why. The guide was lecturing telepathically, simply standing there, sending out thought waves to the crowd. On the platform with him was the little keyboard instrument with which he would relay questions to Billy from the crowd. Now the first question came from the speaker on the television set. Are you happy here? About as happy as I was on Earth, said Billy Pilgrim, which was true. There was a lot that Billy said that was gibberish to the Tralfamadorians, too. They couldn't imagine what time looked like to him. Billy had given up on explaining that. The guide outside had to explain as best he could. The guide invited the crowd to imagine that they were looking across a desert at a mountain range on a day that was twinkling bright and clear. They could look at a peak or a bird or a cloud, at a stone right in front of them, or even down into a canyon behind them. But among them was this poor earthling, and his head was encased in a steel sphere which he could never take off. There was only one eye hole through which he could look, and welded to that eye hole were six feet of pipe. This was only the beginning of Billy's miseries in the metaphor. He was also strapped to a steel lattice which was bolted to a flat car on rails, and there was no way he could turn his head or touch the pipe. The far end of the pipe rested on a bipod which was also bolted to the flat car. All Billy could see was the dot at the end of the pipe. He didn't know he was on a flat car, didn't even know there was anything peculiar about his situation. 
The flat car sometimes crept, sometimes went extremely fast, often stopped, went uphill, downhill, around curves, along straightaways. Whatever poor Billy saw through the pipe, he had no choice but to say to himself, that's life. Billy expected the Tralfamadorians to be baffled and alarmed by all the wars and other forms of murder on Earth. He expected them to fear that the earthling combination of ferocity and spectacular weaponry might eventually destroy part or maybe all of the innocent universe. Science fiction had led him to expect that. But the subject of war never came up until Billy brought it up himself. Somebody in the zoo crowd asked him through the lecturer what the most valuable thing he had learned on Tralfamador was so far, and Billy replied, how the inhabitants of a whole planet can live in peace. So tell me the secret so I can take it back to Earth and save us all. How can a planet live at peace? Billy was baffled when he saw the Tralfamadorians close their little hands on their eyes. He knew from past experience what this meant. He was being stupid. Would, would you mind telling me, he said to the guide, much deflated, what was so stupid about that? We know how the universe ends, said the guide, and Earth has nothing to do with it except that it gets wiped out too. How, how does the universe end, said Billy? We blow it up, experimenting with new fuels for our flying saucers. A Tralfamadorian test pilot presses a starter button and the whole universe disappears. So it goes. If you know this, said Billy, isn't there some way you can prevent it? Can't you keep the pilot from pressing the button? He has always pressed it and he always will. We always let him and we always will let him. The moment is structured that way. So, said Billy gropingly, I suppose that the idea of preventing war on Earth is stupid, too. Of course. But you do have a peaceful planet here. Today we do. On other days, we have wars as horrible as any you've ever seen or read about. There isn't anything we can do about them, so we simply don't look at them. We ignore them. We spend eternity looking at pleasant moments, like today at the zoo. Isn't this a nice moment? Yes. That's one thing earthlings might learn to do if they tried hard enough. Ignore the awful times and concentrate on the good ones. Hmm, said Billy Pilgrim. 